And now I'd like to welcome you to today's MARA Colloquium. The title is Archiving the U.S. Elections Web Sphere, a Historical Perspective. And our speaker, I'm very excited to say, is Gina Jones, who has an MLF. So some of you who are in the program, all of you who are in the program, are probably excited about a person that's had similar training actually uh, having such wonderful and varied experiences and being willing to share them with us. Uh, Gina had, it now works at the Library of Congress, but she had worked at the University of Maryland, and as you can see, she was also a career military intelligence officer. So during this presentation, uh, Ms. Jones will discuss the tools and the processes she uses to archive web content uh, from the last five elections. Uh, like you, I can't wait to hear this presentation. So right now, I'm just going to turn the mic right over to Gina Jones. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. I kind of use that term web archivist tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm actually a digital media project specialist, but what is a web archivist? And we probably are web archivists at, on my team, trying to figure out how to archive the web. What I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm going to give you a general overview about web archiving, about our activities, the elections, a little bit about cataloging, since we are library students, and challenges and issues that we've been facing. Why archive the web? Well, really, we want, our mission is to preserve our nation's history and culture. And the content on the web really only exists on the web. There are a lot of studies to try and figure out how long this content remains available on the web. But one Pew study that is generally quoted says the last 44 days. I really think it depends on what kind of website we're talking about. Organizational websites, of course, last much longer. Election materials, however, are very fragile. They just don't last that long, especially the candidate websites. They really don't survive much past um, the election. And when they do, they're not the same. We want, and as we go through this process, we identify and preserve at-risk digital content, which we believe the elections fall into that uh, content, as other collections that we are doing. And my team, we also support the development of tools, models, and methods for digital preservation. It's uh, a science in its infancy. We just trying to figure out what we need to do, how we need to do it, what we need to use to do it. The library has actually been a, internet, a partner in an international internet preservation consortium, IIPC, as a founding member since 2003. And we're not alone. All the national libraries are trying to figure out how to do it, what makes sense fiscally, and um, how to manage this content. There's a lot of challenges, a lot of which I'm going to try and talk about today. Web capture, just to give you a starting point, this is always a, a discussion item. And we found that, especially when we started doing um, bigger projects at the library, defining what web capture is was a very helpful way to start off. We, I would use web archiving, web harvesting, web capture pretty much interchangeably. And what we do is we download all the code, the images, the documents, and other files essential to completely reproduce, reproduce that website. We want to preserve the original form of the retrieved content without modification and attempt to collect some metadata about the conditions of the capture process. We use an archival quality crawler, which we want to duplicate, replicate the look and the feel of the site at the time of harvest. It, um, it, it, it's essential. We, what we're trying to do is recreate it for 50 years, 100 years from now, so we'll get a really good snapshot about what it looked like. And um, we've had a couple of researchers say, you know, it's very, very important that I understand not just what the website was, but links off and ads and anything relevant that was on that website they want to know about. On the metadata side, um, pretty much what we collect is um, information about capture, IP addresses, HTTP responses, uh, whether or not we got a page at 2XX, if there's any 400s, if we didn't capture something, which is a 404, which I'm sure you've all seen on the web, um, redirects and so on. We are 
striving to figure out um, what other kind of preservation metadata makes sense to capture during the capture process because that's the, the best time to capture it. But we haven't come to any conclusions. But that's what web capture is. We're capturing it so we can replicate it. It is not search engine indexing, summarization, like Google, Yahoo. It's not bookmarking. It's not linking via webliography. You don't catalog a website and have it captured. And it's not downloading a, a file or a page. And these are all things that have been raised over our time um, at the library doing web archive projects. We've been asked, well, I archive the web because I'm doing this or I'm doing that. But that's really not archiving it. What we're trying to do is create a complete snapshot in time. And to give you an idea, when we do crawls, we capture 10 million objects per weekly crawl. Most of our crawls last a week, but there's 10 million objects in it. You just can't do that from your desktop. Just to address this question right now, it is an archived website or record. There's no guarantee that we get 100% of the site. I have no site map that says what every single object was on there and that whether or not we got it. All the crawler does is it will come to a page, it will capture the links off that, that are linked on that page, and then go off to find some more content. Uh, it may or may not get to all the pages, but we don't have a record. There's no way that we can say we got 100%. And uh, um, Best edition concept. Well, we've been having some interesting discussions at the library, put this in some kind of framework. Um, for instance, we did an end-of-term federal government project with a number of different institutions, uh, Internet Archive, University of North Texas, California Digital Library, GPO, because NARA had decided they would only archive the House and Senate sites at the end of President Bush's term of office. They felt very strongly that it wasn't, isn't a record because it's a snapshot in time and it's not guaranteed 100% capture. They had originally done a snapshot of the uh, end of term in 2004 and 2006. But they decided, that's what they decided to do. So um, these part, our end of term project, we actually went out and tried to create a snapshot in time at the end of, uh, end of that uh, election. But it's not a record. And actually, at the um, there was a conference that Nara and uh, one of my counterparts had a actually had a, a session on for discussion purposes. We're also talking this best edition concept. You know, as you know, many many of the newspapers now are not printing paper copies; they're actually only publishing online. So our newspaper division. <laughs> is talking to us, trying to figure out what makes sense for them to get the best edition. Now, I'm not real clear what the best edition of a archived website, newspaper site is, because you know they change that home page um, quite frequently on an ongoing basis during the whole day. And um, I don't know. It will be interesting. Tomorrow we have a discussion with the Christian Science Monitor. We're also talking to the Freep.com, Detroit Free Press. It'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. And the newspaper division, of course, wants a complete copy of the site within a 24-hour period. And um, that's going to be a, a real challenge to do. So I'm looking forward to that project. And on the other hand, talking about is a website a record, the White House, um, they've actually come and talked to my boss several times about different aspects because they're aware of what we're doing. Um, and they actually they're trying to figure out how they can archive their website as a record. So that was a real interesting turn of events. So we do not archive websites with the intent of creating a record of that website, but rather we create a record of the civic engagement and election process. So that's what we try and do. So a little bit of a difference. So questions. Web archiving, that wasn't too fast. Okay. So I released the. Hi, this is Jamie. I was um, reading and doing some searching online today about 
And I found an article from the Dallas News about the Library of Congress, I believe, stating something that they were not going to build any more libraries for the presidentials. And I was kind of wondering, um, has there been a resolution or um, a, a statement written about that? Are you aware of the article I'm referring to? Aware of that. So they're not going to build any more presidential libraries that are not? Yeah, I don't quite understand. I'm not aware of what aspect that is. That must be uh, library services. Um, yeah, hold on a second. Let me, um, I posted it actually on our class blog and um, with a reference to where that article was. And I was kind of confused about it and couldn't find too much. But basically, what they're saying is um, that the last library that's going to be built was uh, Bush's library, and that um, all the others are going to be basically followed up with an electronic digital reading of it. So anyway, I was just wondering if you knew about that. Okay, I, I think we'll hold questions like that until the end of the presentation. Uh, and I see that uh, Valerie has a question, if we could hold that too. I think right now we just want to make sure that you understand what was covered in the slides up to this point. Okay. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about the elections now, which is uh, I've been doing the elections since 2002. And um, our election archives, especially from election 2002 on, we have congressional, gubernatorial, presidential candidates, political party, government, advocacy blogs, public opinion, and miscellaneous websites related to the U.S. national elections. This is actually the composition of um, what our archives for especially 2002 on look like. There's about 1,200 candidate websites in each one of the, um, uh, as part of the collections. And then we have um, about 100 for the state government, political party. We do the um, national, the state, Democratic, Republican, and the major uh, third party sites. Citizen and citizens and journalists, depending on how well our uh, notification process goes, which I'll talk a little bit about later, and public advocacy, advocacy um, fill out the rest. This is actually just a, a picture I put together um, to um, show kind of what we do. We get the data from the FEC, the library imports it into a database, and then that, that, that through that database they manage the process of determining who gets archived. Um, and it depends on who won the primary. We, um, the requirement for being included in one of our web archives is the candidate needs to be on the ballot for the final election. So they need to either won the primary or um, are, are on the ballot. It's not no write-in. We don't typically have any write-ins in our um, archive. The reference librarians work that. Once they finish that, um, they send it over to the web capture team. We archive that. And just to give you a general idea, uh, more than 1,200 candidates run for national office every two years. And we actually uh, used this slide in a uh, forum presentation. We were over at um, ECDL, European Conference and Digital Library, just to, to show what the, um, what the size of our election is. Because typically, uh, uh, non-US elections, they run two to four weeks. They only have a few candidates running. But we've got over 1,200 candidates every two years running for election. So there is really no centralized database of campaign websites. We get the FEC data. And the FEC data, of course, primarily with anybody who takes money from um, the government for running their elections. And then we have to find websites. Um, so when they get the data, they run through that. And, um, and when they start trying to find alternate sources on the web. Now, Smart Voter, as the time has progressed, uh, 2002, there was very few sources on the web listing who the candidates, where the candidates' websites were, or even who the candidates were, um, until quite towards the end. 
uh, it's gotten better. Like in 2008, we actually finished identifying candidates about three weeks before the election. So of the re-election, there's 488, of course, out of the 488 congressional seats and a third of the Senate seats and presidential elections every four years. Fortunately, candidates are increasingly keeping a candidate website. Um, I, we did a few studies after every election to see how fast websites would disappear off the web. And in election 2004, it was almost like a third within the first month, especially if they lose the campaign, they're gone immediately. And uh, more campaign websites are now staying on the web after the election. And it's kind of interesting, uh, the number of candidates running for 2010 now with their the same website, so there's a number, there's quite a few um, uh, candidates now running for 2010, which we haven't started yet, thank God. Okay. Um, one of the requirements that uh, does uh, take a lot of time is this permissions process, and it's a requirement to notify that we're going to archive their website. After we did election 2002 and we're ready to make it available on the web, well, we sent the notice to the legal office at the library and they said, oh, wait a minute, because what we had done was um, our um, harvesting agent, the Internet Archive, had sent out notifications to the webmaster at info at, and we had no record of anything. And they said, well, that wasn't quite adequate. They allowed us to publish the election 2002 candidates for office on the web without permission to display with an opt-out they have to come in and they can opt out of us having it on the website. But all the non-candidates, about 1,300 sites, we had to go through the process of asking permission to display off-site. And ever since that time, we have had to make notification to the content owner of the website that we are doing the crawl and ask permission for off-site display. We can display, collect and display federal government sites without asking permission, but that is the only category. In 2006, we got kind of got smart and started asking for blanket permission because we had asked in 2002 and 2004, and we're about to ask in 2006. We said, hey, if you give us permission, we're going to continue to do it until you tell us to not do it. Um, so we're up to about 40% in election 2008 that's given us permission to display off-site. And um, so we're hoping to increase that. And in fact, it's really interesting, we're doing an archive right now, presidential transition during a time of crisis, and we're getting pretty higher visibility, I think, um, at this time. More people are emailing in and asking questions about it and giving permission. So those will all roll in. So we're pretty excited about that. Some types of sites we have to ask permission to capture, uh, convention bloggers, for example, uh, or any kind of site that there is a um, financial incentive for the site to retain content. Uh, we typically don't ask permission of newspaper sites because we just haven't been, um, we just, they're just not uh, responsive, not responsive, they just don't respond to us in our request to archive their site, so, <clears throat> and they have a financial reason for not allowing display off-site. And, um, but for the most part, it's uh, personal sites and um, primarily just bloggers. So that's the general questions about the election, okay? Okay, I see, is it Alejandra, am I saying that correctly? Uh, you can ask your question. Yeah, hi, I just had a quick question about permission. If you do not obtain the permission from a website, is, do you indicate that that site existed, but you are not allowed to display it? I mean, how do you reconcile the fact that they won't let you, but it's still uh, an important thing to capture? At the very end of the presentation, um, I'm going to show you uh, some catalog, a catalog record, and um, we actually retain that permission information and noted on the bibliographic, on the mods bib record that uh, we've either gotten permission, they'll say no, they'll say none if we're allowed to display it off-site, and if we cannot, it will say it's restricted to the Library of Congress. But we still allow anyone coming into the library to be able to view it. 
Okay, and I see uh, just one more. Jamie, do you have a quick question on what was covered? Um, yes, it was. My question was, um, you said you collect information from other sites like bloggers, but do you capture photos as well from like Flickr and other sites like that that have to do with the election that individuals would have posted? That actually is the um, probably the biggest part of this next part of the presentation because of the challenge of the third-party sites. I believe, and this is my philosophy, and we pretty much carry this forward, that the content owner owns the content and their web sphere. And their web sphere is any content that this candidate or organization has on Flickr and YouTube and MySpace and and um, eons and all those others. <laughs> so yes, we collect it. We collect that content, and for the most part, it's capturable. Facebook and MySpace. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the elections. Actually, we're going to pause for vocabulary because I use some of this terminology, and I just want to make sure that we are clear on this. We create a seed list. So we have a website, and um, we tell the crawler where to start, and that's the seed list. So we want the crawler to go to a URL and start crawling that website. So it'll go to the, the, the URL specified. It'll actually harvest the page and scrape all the links in that file that point off to other pages. And when it gets all those links in, in there um, in the to-do list, what it will do is check to see with it, if it's in scope. If I specify to the crawler, go here, like Facebook, to this candidate Facebook page, follow any links on that candidate Facebook page or the candidate MySpace page or this URL, and then the crawler will continue to follow those and then um, not follow anything not specified. Now, there's two caveats. Because we want the link, the look and feel of a website, it will actually capture embedded content. So if a YouTube video is embedded on a page, it will get that. If photos from another website are on a page, it will get that. So it, we've made this conscious decision that we want to replicate the look and feel of a website. So when a crawler goes to a page where we've notified the content owner that we're going to do the crawl, um, it will capture everything to recreate that page. And then it will follow anything within scope. So, uh, and that scope concept, as I go further on in the slides, becomes more and more of a challenge because I, I need to tell the crawler where to go so we maximize the crawl. Typically, we crawl for a week. So the crawler will start on, I don't know why Wednesday afternoon is the day for the elections, but Wednesday afternoon the crawler starts and it will go for seven days and then they'll stop the crawl. And um, we want to maximize the efficiency of the crawl. We're getting 10 million objects, but there's a lot of stuff out there, especially when you start talking about having 2,500 websites, just main websites, not including all the scopes uh, as part of the crawl. So it got pretty, uh, it can get pretty challenging to capture in depth and breadth of what you want in a week's time frame. So we really want to focus the crawler. So this is the whole concept to crawling, so I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Um, I'm not very familiar with crawling and how that works. So I was kind of wondering what type of program actually is ran to do all that crawling. We have been working very closely with the Internet Archives. When we first began crawling, actually when I came aboard, I came aboard during election 2002, um, the Internet Archive actually contracted out with Alexa Internet. Brewster Kale, who founded the Internet Archive, he's the library of web pages. I hope everybody is familiar with that, but if not, it's um, archive.org, wonderful organization. So as part of his uh, founding this 503C corporation, the Internet Archive, archive.org, he had an agreement with Alexa, the company he left, to get the um, detritus, if you will, or the stuff that Alexa crawled as part of their business model. 
But Alexa had a business reason for crawling. So if you go to the Internet Archive and you see a lot of the early web and it's missing pages, I mean images, and it's not very depth of crawl, it's because Internet Archive didn't really care about, I mean, uh, Alexa didn't really care about the images for the business model. So when we started looking at Alexa in 2002, we said, we need an archival quality crawler. This stuff isn't very good. And um, so Internet Archive, in conjunction with, as I previously mentioned, the Internet, International Internet Preservation Consortium, uh, a number of different libra international libraries trying to figure this out, developed Heritrix. And it's H-E-R-I-T-R-I-X, Heritrix. And it's actually a wonderful crawler. It hits about 99% um, of regular web pages. It, it, it does a really good job. There's some challenges I'll talk about a little bit later. So this thing is very robust. You can install it on your, you can do an application. You can download it to uh, open source and try it out. One of the one of the open source tools in the early days is this HTTrack. Um, HTTrack really cannot crawl at the scale that Heritrix can. H-E-R-I-T-R-I-X. Yes, thank you. And um, so, but we continue to improve it. The more we look at our websites as we do our crawls and our quality review, the better Heritrix gets. But there's a few challenges, and we'll talk about that. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. So, election 2002 is um, a little bit of a different bear. Um, it was created jointly with the Internet Archive and Library of Congress. It was part of the actual Minerva project, which was a pilot project trying to figure out how to select, how to archive, how to catalog, how to make accessible web, uh, web pages. And um, it was uh, 800 seed URLs, 136 gigabytes. And I want you to watch that size, 136 gigabytes, election 2000. But um, it uh, was a daily capture, and public there is public access to it now. I don't have any collection documents. We have anecdotal word of mouth how it was done. Um, for the most part, it is um, presidential nominees. M might be because there weren't many congressional and Senate candidates on the web, but I don't know what was looked for. I don't have any documentation, so I can't say what the breadth of that, that collection was. It does have some content. Um, for some reason, a lot of the House and Senate uh, candidates had their House and Senate sites crawl, which we know you can't at election, you can't do any electioneering on the on the federal government site, but that's pretty much what it is. It does have a collection level record, but um, the uh, catalogers decided not to catalog any further than that because of the quality. A few sites I'm going to show from there. Um, oops, wait a minute, sorry about that. I did the down. Okay. And just to give you an idea of um, how sites were constructed and in doing analysis, you know, they were pretty basic websites. They did have some multimedia, some art, uh, streaming media, some wave files, um, some Spanish language, but it was pretty much a, a nice, generic, very easy, uh, easily constructed website. And um, just to give you some examples of what was in there. Got quite a bit humor sites um, in the election. It seems to be um, quite a number of those. And of course, this was um, this was a very interesting aspect of election 2000. You know, it was a big civic engagement in 2000. Was vote swapping? Um, anybody remember that? <laughs> so. Uh, election 2000, and it is what it is. It was a, it was a it was a pilot, and the library was trying to figure some things out. And um, then we went to do election 2002, and we actually had partners for that: WebArchivist.org and the Internet Archive. There was actually a Pew uh, Pew grant to help with this project. There were 4,000 seed URLs nominated, which turned into about 2,500 records. Five gigabytes, 5,000 gigabytes, five terabytes of data two Library of Congress curators. Um, it went from July to November of 2002. 
There were daily, weekly, and some front page hourly on election day. We tried the gamut of everything. And this is when I came aboard in um, July, and um, I started looking at it. And this is really where quality review of websites came in. Um, I was actually the first full-time staffer. I was at, after I got my library science degree, I was working at Austin Information Technology University of Maryland, and I was very interested in digital libraries. And I saw Library of Congress had this uh, job advertisement for a digital conversion specialist. And I said, oh, that's what I want to do, work on the American Memory Project. That was great. When I came on board with my web skills, um, they put me on the Minerva project, which while I was the first full-time person working on it, I kind of had to figure out uh, what I was supposed to do because there was no job description. So I just started looking at this stuff. And um, I really believe that we do, as well as we're doing right now with uh, capturing websites, creating really good record, uh, good representation of the look and feel of that is it's due to people really looking at the content. What we try to do at the library is create quality web archives, which means depth and breadth of the website. And as we'll see later elections, it gets harder and harder to define what that web sphere is. You have to tell, like I, ta I, I mentioned, you have to tell a crawler where to go, otherwise you won't get the content. And you need to keep up on top, top of technology that website content owners are using so you can identify crawl issues to help make the crawl better. We always lag behind what's being used on the web. So 2002 was a, um, I think it was a pretty interesting project. And things got, as you can see from this, um, things started to get, websites getting uh, more complicated, getting quick time. A lot of streaming media, RTSP kind of stuff that the crawler didn't get. Um, of course, you had all these pages saying, click on here for the high bandwidth and low bandwidth. Uh, a lot of meetup where people would meet up, I had the candidate say where they're going to be. Pictures, flash started coming in, you know, flash pictures. And um, more communication, download, and start seeing some online stores and online donations. In 2000, it was all print off this form and send it in. So it was, um, it, uh, most of the better stuff, more of the sophisticated stuff you found on the candidates with more money, especially the ones in big races and Republicans and Democrats, the third party sites are pretty um, one page, two page kind of things. Some examples, this is uh, Neil Abercrombie, he's been in the house. Um, just some examples of some of these. He's got campaign contributions, multimedia, you know, a little bit simple. You can see where the crawler didn't uh, quite get the layout for where your email is. But overall, it looks pretty good. And of course, when Paul Wellstone, this was on the web, we actually captured that right after um, his plane crash. And this is the start of bloggers in our collection. And of course, other stuff. Now, my, this is again 5 gigabytes. Um, just 2002 and 2004 were about the, are about the same size. But remember, in 2002, we didn't have to ask permission. We really didn't have this concept of the crawler has to only where we tell it to crawl. They actually, um, the uh, web archivist who was running the, uh, running the seed list, they, the crawl was actually done a little bit different. It was going one hop out. So if there was a link off to another website from a page, it would just go ahead and follow that. So we have a lot of additional content in election 2002 that's not in 2004, hopefully. But um, we try and do our best to um, capture only what we've given notice to. But it ran um, a year. Of course, we had the presidential election, and that was the first part of it. And it was weekly captures, one curator and three other staff. That was pretty much the Minerva team. We were up to three full-time staff at that time. One curator was on uh, temporary loan from the library service, and 2,000 seed URLs. Again, half of it was, um, was uh, candidates. Okay more multimedia, more flash, more ways to connect. And you started seeing especially stores and shopping, 
blogs, everybody started having blogs and meetup. This was the year of meetup. Windows media, real media, again, still high low bandwidth options, primarily just seeing Spanish as extra language, Yahoo groups. Um, but more flash, more pictures, and the menu started getting a little bit more sophisticated. The Dean. Dean was, he was the first big user of the web for campaign fundraising, blogging, getting local groups and people, and even having people have their own page on their website. And ever since then, Obama and everybody else has followed that tradition, but he really set the bar for um, sophisticated websites. Something interesting that um, we thought we thought was interesting. Anyway, there, there used to be a proliferation of people getting these websites with the year in it for their current campaign. And of course, after the campaign was over, it'd go away. Well, some would keep their old campaign. And so Van Holland 2002.com um, was the actual website. And this was Van Holland 2004.com. So someone else bought up this Van Holland 2004.com and put this website up. And of course, if you don't take a quick look, you just say, oh, vanholland.2004.com, that's got to be the website. But our reference librarians do take a hard look at every single website for candidates just to make sure it is an official candidate website. So um, and here's Van Holland actual website, which is 2002.com. I'm seeing a tendency nowadays, and one of the things I did take a look in 2008, to see how many of these websites still had a date in there because they do seem they are tending just to get their one website name and retain it over time. Um, in 2008, I thought I saw a couple with, of course, 2006 in it and some with 2008, and I think there might have been one with 2004, but that is a trend that seems to be going away. Campaign site builders, actually you started, we started seeing a number of different services also show up on the web to assist candidates. Um, campaign site building, uh, you could tell that because um, they, um, they typically look quite a bit alike. But they, more and more sites in election 2004, and I think in 2004, um, this allowed more people, to, candidates, to get on the web because it started getting cheaper to get on the web. And they started, a lot of different services also started up, um, especially in the donation realm. Most of the candidate websites have links off to another supporting page that provides services for them to get online donations. And you get more sophisticated websites. And of course, JibJab. They actually gave us permission to harvest this. In 2004, they didn't give us permission to display. It doesn't display very well because of the technology, but we've captured it ever since, and they gave us permission to display off-site. And the question is, of course, on bloggers, um, election 2004 was the first time that bloggers were invited to conventions. So we, in, we notified or uh, asked permission to several bloggers to, to um, capture their website, some, some of which responded back. But it's really interesting the number we get, uh, they would put this notice on their page that they're getting uh, archived as part of the uh, Library of Congress's Minerva Historical Collections. You know, the question we always have in our office is, are we uh, changing history when we collect things? And the more third-party sites would definitely get on, on, the, on, the web, on the web. In election 2006, um, almost 10 gigabytes of um, archive. It was only June to December 2006. So it was spread a very short period of time. It was a weekly capture. It is being currently captured. A catalog. It should be available by fall. Um, by the by this fall. And there are 2,119 CURLs right now um, that we're cataloging. And you start the interesting thing about uh, 2006. You started seeing Flickr and Google Video and YouTube. Unfortunately, we, much as we tried, we just didn't get into YouTube in 2006 or Google Video. You start seeing a lot of Flickr, MP3s, not much real media. Mostly, um, there started to be a tendency to not use that kind of 
costly kind of video. Uh, site construction definitely saw a lot more flash. The websites were created flash. Campaigns, you saw a lot more campaign um, uh, websites uh, by official co by companies that designed those for candidates. More things in communicating, podcasts, polls, emails, podcasts, blogs, all sorts of things to download, ringtones, and uh, online stores. Uh, Cafe Press was pretty much the online store before that. Dem Store started coming in uh, and just continued to increase. And actually, the interesting um, website in 2006 is um, that's a blog site. Uh, started using blogs. Started using uh, candidates using blogs as websites. But Schwarzenegger's again, he's got money. He had money for his candidacy. But he had Chinese and Spanish and English, and he had about everything. Three blogs, he had an action center, store, block parties, media center, pod, vcast, audio, ringtones. It was, it was the store for, I mean, the website for 2006. And of course, election um, voting machines actually um, became the big topic in 2006. And we have some good websites on that. Election 2008. Well, the first phase was 2000, June 2007 and June 2008, primarily presidential candidates. This, this archive went on forever. Um, we started the second phase in July 2008 to November 2008. There were 12 curators in library services helping nominate uh, candidate websites. We did weekly captures. We actually did some hourly homepage snapshots on election day because we actually have our own crawler now at the library that we can do some, um, since I'm running it, <laughs> some small captures. Um, but we can do different projects and don't have to depend on our, um, our crawler agent, the Internet Archive, to do everything. It is 15 terabytes of data. It was a bear. It started early that we had over 120 presidential candidates running. It was, it was amazing. And what we found, this is actually a look at the, um, the websites uh, at about the presidential nomination time in 2000 and uh, summer, 2000, no, summer 2007 when we first started. And so YouTube just dominates. You didn't, we didn't see any streaming video, video after that. And the unfortunate thing is we spent, um, some, we had several enterprising grad students in the uh, research library, uh, research universities, take the time to actually develop some plugins to download streaming via, streaming media, but nobody's using RTSP anymore. But we had MySpace, and I'll even show you some more. So, but Flash is dominant, YouTube is dominant, Flickr is dominant, um, stores everything to download and communicate, and it just um, demonstrates the rise of social networking sites. So we did weekly captures, about 10, our crawl gets 10 million objects a week. So it, it's a big collection. This is just to give you an idea. I went through and extrapolated the social networking sites in 2006. And um, these are the social networking sites in 2008. It just, everything, it just, every time you turn around, I had to make a conscious effort to keep checking President Obama's and Hillary Clinton's website every month at least to see what else they added. Um, John Edwards. He, he actually um, had the website to emulate at the very beginning. He set the bar for uh, social networking. The interesting thing um, later, the campaign websites did, especially the sites that, um, any site that contracted with a company to help build their website, they just started. You see these four items, MySpace, Facebook, Flickr, and YouTube? Every single template for those websites had those logos on there, whether or not they had any content at the site. So we'd go look at the site to scope it out for the crawler, we'd click on it, it'd be a not found. So, um, But it seems that, I don't know what will happen in 2010, but for 2008, they really expected everybody to have a presence on those four sites. 
So the interesting thing about Hillary Clinton is um, every time that there was a new issue in the news uh, for the pre presidential candidates, there would be a new website to, to talk about the issue. You see the Hillary that I know, that came out when they were talking about Hillary was a cold person, so she had a lot of people come on and do videos talking about what a caring person she was. President Obama did the same thing. Um, just every time there was an issue, there'd be a new website to address that issue. Yeah, I blame it on the fact that websites are cheap now. It's only $9 to get a domain name, and, and that's all it costs. That way back in 2002 and so on, it used to cost serious money to get a website up and running and hosted. And this is bottom half of President Obama's website, and he was everywhere. <laughs> Every time I come back, he'd see it. He'd have something different on it, and of course, his online store. Um, we didn't get any live feeds. Um, we didn't get any live feeds. The crawler doesn't do RSS at all. This is an example of um, a candidate website. Everybody almost had a website. 120 cuts online people running for the president, and he was actually an official candidate. He, um, he actually um, advocated impaling a number of people, including President Bush. He actually gave us permission to display his site off-site, and um, he had a visit from the Secret Service, and his website went down, and then he moved to a new place, and we got that again. So um, anyway, there, there was some interesting, um, it'll, be, it'll be a topic for researchers in the near future, I would assume. Anyway, that's a quick down and dirty, but I think, oh, I missed uh, Ron Paul. This was very interesting. It's on his website. He had iPhone, so it's on everything. You know, being, uh, 2010 will really be interesting. So that's a quick down and dirty on the elections. So I'm sure there is a lot of questions. Yes, we got Twitter. Second Life, um, there's actually a project with the National Digital in, in, uh, I digital, uh, digital Preservation.gov, the Library of Congress. They're sponsoring a number of different research projects. We cannot get something that needs registration or login, and Second Space is, Second Life is just complicated. It did come up, but I didn't see any candidates have any presence on Second Life. What you saw was some discussion sometimes on Second Life and we didn't get that. And that was just from uh, from what we saw. Twitter's easy to do, of course. Uh, when you visit once a week, you only get um, a snapshot on the, on the Twitter feed, depending on how far back the Twitter feed goes. But yes, we scope Twitter as part of it. National Digital Information Infrastructure Preservation Project, NDIIPP, I think it is. Any other questions? We'll talk about cataloging next. Okay. Let's talk about cataloging. We actually um, catalog at the site level at the library. Um, we, the process is that um, a, refer a reference librarian or nominator selects a website for harvest, and it's part of a thematic collection, and we capture it. And we capture it over time, and it's normally been part of a, a time period, although we've started some ongoing collection like legal blogs. Uh, we've got about 120 websites, legal blog websites that are being harvested on a monthly basis that will continue on in the future. But at a certain period of time, we take a look at these websites to see how well they represent in the archive how well we can access them. As long as we can get into it and um, see some content, we identify them as a candidate for a collection. The library's been using Metadata Object Description Schema, MODS, and I provided the URL there. It's really just minimal cataloging. And we create the catalog record through um, 
primarily an automated method. We have an internal database, uh, which is our permission, permissions table, uh, permissions database, and we record the URL, the language, uh, whether or not we got permission to display this site off-site or, or not, and any quality review data that we might have, something works or didn't work, something to help the catalogers they look at the site. We combine that with an XML template, in an XML template that it's a file plus the XML template that our cataloger network development actually working with cataloging uh, com to create. And um, they have some uh, canned subject terms. And then we do an extract of the web archive pulling the first capture date of the URL, the selected website. We get the document title website, the website document title, which is an HTML code. We get any meta keywords in the uh, first cap capture of that pay, uh, website, any, any information, if there's a meta abstract, keyword abstract, and the first and the last capture dates. And we combine that in an XML file. The, um, and I'll address that in a second. Um, so when we, we compile that into a single fi file that we provide to network development who extrapolate that into individual records and send them on to catalogers to actually review the files. And um, this is, sorry, this is actually the interface that exists and these are the collections that you have access to that are publicly available uh, from the Library of Congress website, which is lsc.gov slash lcwa. And um, this is an example of a browse in the election 2004 candidate names. And um, you can click on any of those and you get to this screen. And you can either go see the bibliographic information or the archived website. And if you go to check out the bibliographic record, you'll see it's got some minimal cataloging. It's um, got the title, which comes from the actual web page. It's got the dates captured from and to. It has a link off to the archive website. It has some canned terms that um, through automation we, we assist the catalogers by creating some of these terms so they don't have to um, edit it. And we kind of pre-populate it with the information we have from, remember the FEC database into our database. We actually pull information about the candidates into the uh, file. And what language? We do have non-English because of uh, Puerto Rico and uh, Virgin Islands. It's a website. And this says access restricted to on-site users at the Library of Congress. So this is how an individual would know that they won't have access. And actually, there won't be a clickable link off to the archive website. It gives the URL at the time of capture and the handle information. And it's part of the collection. And um, this is limited to on-site users at the Library of Congress because either uh, Maria Allwine didn't respond to our, mostly uh, she didn't respond to our request to display off-site. So we didn't get permission to display this off-site for election 2004. Um, we have had very few do not display my website. I think in um, almost 15,000 websites that we've sent sent permission notices to, we've had like eight people say, I don't want my um, site available. So we just have it restricted. The content we crawl does not end up in the Wayback Machine because um, we crawl, when they crawl for us, we do not respect robots.txt, which means a robots.txt file on the site tells crawling machines where to go and not go on the site. And we don't respect robots.txt for many reasons, but primarily because um, they're not used correctly. So, um, and we don't allow Internet Archive to keep a copy of the material that they, they crawl for us. So the content is not available at the Internet, at the Internet Archive. And we create access points. Um, 
If you see that URL there, mdgreensforcongress.org slash mariaallwine.htm, um, it will actually open up to a resource page in the archive, uh, which I didn't take a snapshot, I'm sorry. That actually will open what's called a resource page. The Wayback is a viewing tool created by the Internet Archive to see instances multi uh, over time of captures of that URL listed there. So it will list capture dates, um, any capture dates we have for that specific URL all the way down to .htm and you click on that. And there is a catalog record for every single collection that's been done at the library and um, the only collections that are not individually archived, I mean have individual records, are um, Election 2000 and the other ones that aren't up right now, we did an Olympics 2000 collection, which isn't very good. There's 70 websites. They're not going to catalog that. And um, the, um, actually, out of um, election 2000, I, I, I could reconstruct the election, the um, 106th Congress, but they weren't. Uh, it's not very good quality. So those weren't cataloged. Okay. Any other questions? This is going back to getting permissions. And I was kind of wondering, what is the success rate in actually getting permissions from the person running for a political office? And how difficult is it to actually get their permission to either post or not post onto the LOC? I think as we're, there's more presence in what we are doing, we are getting a better success rate. Uh, we're up to 40% right now, and um, I foresee it getting better. There's actually awareness in the Congress. Uh, Senator John Kerry actually, his office called us and wanted to see what his website looked like that we got in 2004. They were very interested in that. and um, I. It's not as great as it could be. 2002 is great because they allowed us just to go ahead and let the candidate websites be available unless they opted out. 2004 um, is not, it's, a, it's like a 25% success rate. But as we're going forward, and I really think that um, this blanket permission is helping us. We, we don't want a dark archive. We want to make everything available off campus. And it may come to a time where we say there's enough time in between. We're just going to let everything be accessible off campus and then hopefully we can float that through the lawyers. Um, so we are hoping. We'll, we'll, we, we are striving. And it actually what the reference librarians do is they process the candidate website, the FEC data in their database. Many times they have to call the candidate uh, campaign headquarters to find the uh, website for this election, and we're gaining more awareness at that point. Um, we've had some pretty high level visibility. The interesting thing about election 2008 was also um, there was um, Blue, Blue Digital, Blue Digital, I think is the name of the company actually was hosting quite a number of the Democratic websites, including President Obama's. And um, since we were not respecting robots, they stopped us from crawling. And I talked to the um, uh, project manager, so he understood what we were doing. And anytime we have a problem, when we talk, we, we usually come to an agreement and, and everyone pretty much believes in our project. Um, and so they allowed us to harvest base with a, a different politeness factor because they had a lot of websites that they were hosting on the same IP address and it was causing problems. So um, and I think this is one of the reasons why the White House is so aware of what we're doing and we're harvesting. And we're getting a lot of, um, I think what's going to actually help, we've had a huge time lag in showing our archives. We have 100 terabytes of data and over 3 billion web objects. And the question is, we, we, we had no place to put it at the library. 
So we made election 2002 and September 11th available in 2003, and until this year, we didn't make any other web archives available. So we're really hoping that um, with more visibility, we're going to get a lot more recognition, and 2010, hopefully, we'll even get more permissions. And I'd like to retroactively use the um, um, permissions to earlier elections, so I'm hopeful. <laughs> So it is time-consuming, it's expensive, and um, it, uh, 1,400 hours for the reference librarians to process election 2006. Wow, that, that's amazing. Um, one quick question. I want to go back to what James has asked about Wayback Machine, and I don't know if it's getting off topic, but what is that? Um, that is actually, and I'm sorry I didn't include a snapshot on that. Um, that is actually an open source tool for viewing web archives. When the harvester captures these web these websites, they actually don't store it as a duplicate website. They store it in this huge 100 gigabyte file called a WARC, a Web Archive Resource Container File. So the Wayback actually can read those files and. Um, replicate those and actually allow you to view and it reconstructs the website. So, okay. Um, talked a lot about these different challenges, you know, the crawler capabilities, limitations. We are, we are always behind what websites are doing with what we can crawl. And um, website boundaries, they are large, deep, dynamic, interlinked, and indistinct. It's a web sphere. It's not a website anymore. And they transform, grow, and disappear. For instance, Cynthia McKinney, she had three different websites. Her first one, depending on which phase of the election, the first one actually redirected to the second one, but when she was nominated as a candidate for president for her party, she got a new website and didn't do a redirect. I think she, I don't, I don't know what happened there, so I don't know what I'm going to give the catalogers to catalog. Uh, we're really hoping there's a section 108 that says we can go ahead and capture this stuff without um, asking permission. And we only do bit preservation. I mean, how do you manage three million objects? It's, it's hard. It's really hard. And um, we think access equals preservation. So hopefully, hopefully we, 50 years from now, we can still see this stuff. Anyway, that was quick, down, and dirty, and fast. But I appreciate this. And um, we really want users of our websites, of web archives. So um, now that we have them out there, hopefully we'll get some user data. All the national libraries are trying to figure this out. You know, um, internationally, everyone can harvest their domain. Iceland's been harvesting their domain since 1995, 1996. Sweden's been doing their national domain. Denmark, but we don't have a national domain. It's hard. It's not definable. But uh, we really think the library's committed, really committed to um, this. To um, we see this as really, it it, it it's displays, I mean, I, when I go through September 11th, I mean, a lot of this doesn't exist anymore, and um, it really documents our history, our cultural history. One more minute. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Right, I'd like uh, very much to thank our speaker today, uh, Gina Jones. That, that was a marvelous presentation. Uh, I know many of us are going to go back and listen to it again. Uh, it is recorded for those who missed it, but uh, for those who want to uh, hear your presentation and take a, a better look at those slides again. So thank you so much. We really appreciate this. My pleasure. If anyone has any questions or offline, I can give my email address. Are my email address on there? It's not there, but if you'd like to type it into the chat room area. Now, um, I see someone talked about Archive It, and that's actually an interesting project. And uh, you can, um, it's actually um, 
um, for fee kind of service, um, it's uh, we use it in a number of different projects. Um, we don't it, it, it respects robots.tech, so um, and it's it's um, it's independent. There's a lot of different projects coming out um, under the end up guise of uh, harvesting websites. Okay, I think we're going to uh, let our speaker relax a little bit now, but thank you very much. Good night, everyone.